so it's asked of me all the time, almost every day, begged and implored and pleaded and threatened with blackmail if I don't read you some poetry. But listen, and yes, I know all about the nude photos, and no, I don't care to whom you send them. I can't read poetry. Not here. And haven't we been through this? I can't help but think that this is one of those subjects in a lover's quarrel that could always be brought up into the argument like a decade-old error in judgment to get a quick rise. Isn't this one of those? Anyway... In the interest of keeping our little union in good, solid shape, here's a great poet writing a great story. Hi, it's the 4th of April, Friday, 2008, and it's Miet's Bedtime Story Podcast. Last Class by Theodore Redke. Note. In some American progressive colleges for women, it is the custom to tell all to shoot the works in the last class. The institution here is, let us say, Hysteria College. The course, the writing of verse. My sins are not important. Whatever I said was too good for you. I tried. I said and I did. I survived. I have endured you, O oh modern girl, sweetheart of papa and billboards, footpad and assassin. Lord, I'm plumb tuckered out lugging these hunks of pork up the lower slopes of Parnassus, knowing all the time that as soon as I turn around, back they'll slip to blurbanity, inanity, and the dearest dullest people in the world. I'm tired of being a day labourer on this canary farm, a lady's maid in a seminary of small beasts, a midwife sweating to effect a most particular parturition, bringing forth little maimed ends of life, poems with all the charm if they didn't lay eggs of aborted salamanders. I'm tired of tippy-toe tasting, peripheral twittering, sniffing for epiphanies, whistling after Whiston, tate and text creeping, dithering over irrelevant details, orphic posturing, adjective casting, nuancing, mincing before mirrors, speaking in the condition of somebody else's mouth, crooning in private over garbled quotations, sucking toes, already too tired, attitudinising all those dreary glazed varnish effusions of the boudoirs of frou-frou or the lowercase Freud and Joyce. Anna Livia Dribblenose, all those mouldy little sublimations emitting nothing more than a faint, sad smell. Those cats and trees and silvery moons, those bleak black ugsome birds. Why not a whole series on the grave, darling? I'm t 
pride of the I love me bitches, always trying to keep somebody off balance. Park Avenue cuties who deny dogs keep wolf cubs named Errol Flynn, or bats and toads with names like Hoagie, or the cutesy tricksy trivia and paraphernalia with which the stupid and sterile rich try to convince themselves they aren't really dead. A young girl, said Montalant. What a dreary subject for a writer. And don't I know it now, me up to the armpits in quivering adolescent entrails, still trying to find something I can save. Take it from me, it's been hit over the head, still slug nutty from those long years in the technique mines. I'm beginning to feel the mould creep over the noble lineaments of the soul. Oh, the lies I've told my own energies trying to convince myself I was teaching you something. Twenty times a day I asked myself, are you really worth it? And the more I asked, the more I lathered, vomiting before Thursday classes, chasing after examples like a greasy stack rat, learning passages by heart only to forget them when I got there beating my off-stage beat to death, schmaltzing all day long. A high-speed pitch artist, a sixteen-cylinder Mr. Chips, wide open willy. Just look sad and he'll change the assignment. I ask you, is that the way for a grown man and me past thirty-five to make a living? I shudder to think of the bromides I've bellowed, horrendous affirmations, the immense and mindless sense of surprise with which I've belaboured the obvious, or that passionate readjustment of platitudes we call progressive education. And by what garments of praise, trimmed with self-pity, haven't I lived and had my being? Cecily answers you're simply divine on Hopkins. I do so want to take you some time. Or Papa, beaming with beatific bestiality that comes with a hundred grand a year after taxes. Why, we spent a fortune on psychiatrists, but you really seem to have fixed her up. <laughs> Buster, I fixed her better than you think. It just may be, in spite of everything, you have a human being on your hands who will do something more than shake those greasy curls in the cribs of Greenwich Village. And now, small fry sadists, that you are, you still insist on extracting the ultimate hot flash, the last tired gasp from this semester-end throw of exasperation. In other words, I simply must say what I think of my colleagues, as if you didn't already know us better than the backs of your hands. As if you haven't been playing us off one against the other, watching those ever-so-slight facial flickers for some hint of a rift. Some revelation to relay in commons. Oh, I know he loathes secondary sauce. He practically told me so today in conference, and asked for stinky retriever. The faculty. Those privileged participants in this great educational experiment. 
those members of a community that so honours the creative it just sucks it right up, bones, blood and all. That menagerie of fly-blown lesbians, tired refugees, grassroots Americans with classic tastes, bonwit teller tough guys, drama boys, saxophone players, ex-bartenders, fugitives from the loony bin, creeps, vipers, toads, critics, finks, louts, lechers, fly fishermen, sociologists, baby prodders, pianists, dopes, mopes, co-ed, trolls, nine-day wonders, sibyls, second cousins, toads, hacks, trimmers, pikes, dykes, perch and bullheads, Dreary's queries, veely-faced fairies, strange little women full of ticks and ethics, existentialists with wet hands, sad-eyed determinists, a professor, stoolies, droolies, ninnies, bibble-babbling informers, poops and prophets. But give them credit. Most of them coony and wide, obtuse or just plain nutty, at least aren't dull. Fond of flourishing themselves before the devil, verbal about everything except what they really know, given to thin pipings or furious bull roarings about the secrets of life. Their desperations, their exaltations are most lavish. They can't play bridge. What they know they know to beat hell, and they care enough to give out, by some means, twists, grunts, blasts, pokes, shrugs, off the cuff, on the snatch, down the hatch, or with the club dinner. They are teachers. But there are a few sour, specific instances, and we do evolve with rather horrifying speed and in spite of all the trumpeting and snorting and parading of the ego on and off the podium into certain well-defined easily discernible types for instance there is the creep a critic of the what's me around again hiney i hear you calling clinth school surprised at an early age by polysyllables Mad for maths and schemata. Couldn't tell a poem if it came up and bit him in the behind. A small talent for arranging ideas. An ear like a meat grinder. There are always these coarse-faced detractors. These busy little men who bite the creative because it is human. Debase the genuine truths and emasculate the language. They pard through the holes these insults to mediocrity, their eyes coming to a light only when salary increases are mentioned. They have ideas, very publicly, these dreary bores with their clatter language. And how they keep track of each other. The quince should have been a pimp or a cardinal secretary. Streamlined for Jesus, he. Ambition. To compose a great prayer. This, God, of course, busy as he is, will never permit. A walk softly, who someday will underestimate himself into spiritual anemia. He'll prolong the moment of contemplation until it reaches a perfect psychic vacuum. His bootlicking is a marvel to behold. 
the least possible waste motion. Bulo, the barbershop mystic, a lingo bingo boy, up high and happy, a great roaring sensibility on the loose, all ear and no forehead. Writes prose, loves the heartland. In the winter lives on silage. Listen when he takes off. Bufflehead, a pale, limp worm of a man, kind to his mother, considerate of his students, beastly to himself. He doesn't know, and he doesn't know he doesn't. That's his tragedy. Poor dear, he's going to be shunted from place to place, always preceded by marvellous letters, which a year later his colleagues will re-read with astonishment. At last he'll come to rest in some backwoods academy where, except for a few embittered cynics and lazy nature boys, everybody else will be stupider than he is. Then, if he marries, he'll become an administrator. The Udder All gush and goodwill and guts Girth A yard wide a suburban Sappho, the vice in the old village choir, a mind composed largely of fuzz. If she knew what she was, there would be no harm in her, but monkey she must with every amorphous psyche that comes her way. You can't do your assignment? Try, just try to imagine yourself a tree. But surely, you classic cases in progressive pedagogy, weaned on Freud and Kraft Ebbing, aren't taken in by such shoddy sex transfers. What she wants really is to keep you entranced forever in the soft, silly glows of adolescence, to have you perpetually saying farewell to the warm womb, but never once peeking out for just one look at reality. She loves you best bewildered. Let her be somebody else's mother. The Allusionist. Do I hear the furtive yelp of the mast and writhing poeticule? Is this the startling hysteria of weakness overexerting itself? I ask only answers. From him you can learn the pleasure of tangential authority and how never to come to the point. Even his sighs have another source. Echoes, says Hopkins are and evil. This man is a veritable cave, and what he won't do, lack love that he is, to keep his odious skin intact. But somehow he always survives. What's he doing anyway in this company of intellectual princes? Brain girl. The blue hair and zinc curls give you the clue, don't they? The unhappy extrovert, a female hillbilly who learned to count. So much for common sense. And what crimes she commits in its name, always making the wrong decisions for the right reasons, professing a great love for ideas, but actually afraid of them. A blameless public and private life, a terrible random energy. As an administrator has done more human damage than a battalion of angels can undo. This she knows, 
and she'll end in a fast car wound around a tree or bent double from cyanide. She can't pray. Her soul has disappeared into those hand-painted jars and bottles on her dressing table. The raccoon. A lovely man, and you know it. His prose would kill you, but face to face he speaks straight to the spirit, the real source of life. But do I hear a faint, well-bred sigh, a shifting of thighs that means, why not talk about us for a change? After all, we are the customers. And so you are, dear darling provocatives. Most exhausting, for me, are you milky sweet ones, still dimpled from Mama's rosy interior, braces on teeth. Straight from Miss Twitchett's or the stables of Stirrup and Halter Hill. Nicknames like Muffsy, Mopsy, Butterball and Wim Wham. Some of you are Irish. I can't will such willowy bones into women. I'm not a wet nurse. What nips and bites you have, little insects. What juxtaposition. Delicate baby spiders already weaving webs of self-delusion. Look at you close and invariably you'll skitter away afraid of yourselves. Ah, sweetlings, asleep in your fat if you don't once in a while. At least look outside. The angels will be forever angry. Then, there are the self-loathers, fond of sitting on thistles, wearers of handmade peasant jewellery in the shape of chicken fetuses. These I have paid the compliment of thinking about in the abstract. As for you, you Lelia May, please rise when I name you individually and when I'm done sit down on the end of your spine. It's still growing, remember. From your mother, lovely blob, you inherited the serenity of a cistern. Find some sun-tanned idiot boy about to get an army commission. Let him marry your belly, and you'll both be happy. In the meantime, avoid all language. Pretty for nice. That block you're always talking about? Are you sure it doesn't fill your whole head? You don't like paint and are afraid of it? Try drawing with chalk in your navel. I mean, be true to your own constrictions. Get down where your obsessions are. Live with the desperate and you'll survive. Hell for stuff. From me, you seem to want the soft gaze of the brown bull. Alas, my dear, I'm not even a tired Saint Bernard. Try a hot bath or the higher sublimations. Keep a stiff upper lip, but the caterwaul doesn't become you. That's the tomcat's function. Patricia Jane. In those raids on yourself, you have won a few minor outposts. Now pay me the honour of writing like somebody else. I refuse to be the best man at your spiritual marriage. An intense desire for experience put a horror of paying the price. 
to what from a tent of mink that is your wish. But how well you modulate the shape of a sentence and the assonantal sounds. Ah, true indignation. How rare you are. How dangerous to court deliberately. Have I taught out of the whole wrath? I hope I have. I know you, little unwashed beasts. I love you for what you might be. I hate you for what you are. Yes, I fried you in the right embrace, the close kiss of why not. I taught you as I should, not what I know, but what I do not know. I cut you down and left you singing in your best bones. Did I say I? Indeed, that would be a monstrous untruth, for I was never more than an instrument. But, if only once or twice some sly, generous hint from the unconscious slipped from the side of my mouth, if any of you have looked for the last time into that cracked mirror of absolute self-love, then we have not failed, you and I. We both may escape the blurbs of nice the leagues of swank and swink, all the petty malice and provincial nastiness that wants to smother, to suffocate anything human and alive. But before I am reduced to an absolute pulp by my own ambivalence, I must say goodbye. The old lion perisheth. Nymphs, I wish you the swoops of many fish. May your search for the abiding be forever furious. Oracular nutties taking it on the lamb. There's not enough here to please a needle. I won't say another word. I've hissed my last cliché. It's luck I wish you. Wake the happy words. <laughs>